0: One,
1: two, three. Welcome to Three Song Stories, the podcast that forges stories of steel using the power of music to connect us to our pasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. Our guest today is Ryan Warner. Ryan is senior host of Colorado Matters, the flagship daily interview program on CPR News. That's Colorado Public Radio in Denver. He has helped lead the show for more than 14 years now. Previously, Ryan hosted talk programming at public radio stations in Fort Myers, Florida. He's the founding host of our afternoon show, Gulf Coast Life, which was originally launched as Gulf Coast Live in 2004, and also Yellow Springs, Ohio, and Columbia, Missouri before that. Ryan describes himself as a francophone aviation geek who grew up in Los Angeles and Palm Springs, California. I would describe him as a super talented and thoughtful person who I'm really glad I got to work with right at the beginning of my career in radio. So this, as I sit here in the chair he used to sit in to interview other people, is really cool for me. I get to interview Ryan Warner. And here we go. Hey there, Ryan Warner.
0: You changed the name of my show?
1: Ah, we did. (laughs) We did. You, er, er, earlier er, earlier this year. I, that, I was confessing it in the intro. I figured that would be a good way to just wow. get it out there. Well, what happened was is um, uh, we stopped doing it live as much for a number of cool. different reasons. And, talking, um, yeah. and and it just didn't make sense anymore when it was mostly not live to have to constantly be like, today's show's not live, even though we call it live. <laughs> so <laughs> Gulf Coast taped. Yeah, exactly. So we <laughs> changed it to Gulf Coast life at the beginning of this year. And yes, it's, nice. it's that's, that's that. So um, thank you for Doing this, um, yes. what, What's the French word for francophone?
0: Oh, francophone. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's the same word pronounced, you know, with I a little bit more assume as much.
1: But um, so that that means you're a French speaker, right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> How fluent are you at French? Oh, let's see. Well, I lose a little bit
0: every day because French is not terribly helpful in Colorado. But I, I talk to myself in French. Like, I narrate my day in French. And so I, I think I keep fairly fluent. Is that your internal dialogue or your external
1: dialogue? Uh, internal when there are other people, external when I'm alone. Okay. Aviation geek, have you gotten to check off your bucket list yet, sliding down an airplane slide out of a commercial airplane? <laughs>
0: No. I I want that very much. That's one of the things I remember about you, Ryan Warner. (laughs) You know, I watch videos on YouTube of slides deploying. It's this kind of aviation porn. And they slow them down, you know, because these these slides deploy very quickly. They have to. But they'll slow them down and you can just watch the slides unfurl. That's awesome. I'll have to do that. Um, So (laughs)
1: pandemic
0: dancing much? Yes, I, you must have done some research. Oh, I yes, do a uh, bit. <laughs> a lot of dancing, mostly in my apartment, to get me through the monotony of the pandemic. Uh, what kind of music are you dancing to? I found a really great tune from a local DJ um, that I heard during a virtual dance party he was holding, and I, I just it like he put such stank on it. And, I mean, I could. <laughs> I could play it, but then I'd be. That's not one of the songs I've chosen.
1: We can use. We can. Uh, well, you got it right there. Can you like pull I it do. up and play it while we're talking?
0: Yeah. You want me to do that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, we go where it goes, Ryan Warner, and that's where this is going. Okay.
0: Let me turn my board on. Hold on. PC out. Okay. And then Carl Carroll. Oh, here it is. Afrofana. It's got a nice wind up. Listen to that. Listen to that.
1: Our heads are bobbing. I wish all my horns could this.
0: Horns. Horns, people. Yes.
1: Are you dancing, Ryan? That shake and those horns. I, like,
0: yes. I'm definitely moving my neck. Here we go. Yeah. So I'm, oh, yeah. i doing a lot
1: of ah oh, that's awesome
0: a lot of head bopping
1: a lot of head bopping going on over here too so yeah richard's here and then tara's here i don't know if you've ever met Tara. tara say hi to ryan
2: hi ryan
1: hi tara hi richard
2: i've always hey. been a wonderful fan uh, a fan of your wonderful voice um i was an intern and then i became a full-time here so i was just unfortunately uh, after you you stopped with the show but wonderful oh, oh wonderful stuff
0: well, I I am so happy you work at WGCU. I feel like it's a, a great place when you love public
1: radio. Uh, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. So, California, what was the musical background of your childhood out there?
0: Uh, everything, essentially, that I listened to as a kid was through my mother. And so it was a lot of Pointer Sisters, Barbara Streisand, Neil Diamond. Uh-huh. And my mom took me to my first concert, which was Harry Belafonte.
1: Wow. Do you remember where the venue was or where you guys were oh, at that yes. point?
0: Yeah, that was in the Coachella Valley, which is where Palm Springs is. But the McCallum Theater is probably the largest venue in the valley, and it's in Palm Desert, California. And that's actually a stage I was able to perform on because I did opera as a kid. And... um uh, you know, so in a way, I shared this stage with Harry Belafonte, I think it's fair to say.
1: <laughs> you did opera as a kid. Does How does one do opera as a kid in California when you were a kid?
0: Well, there was an opera company in in Palm Springs called West Coast Opera Company. And, you know, it's a resort town. People want to be there. So they drew a, a decent amount of talent. And they, they just needed, like, kid extras who sang a little and so I was in *Ippolitici* and *Cavalleria Rusticana*. Those were the two operas I was
1: in. When did you stop doing opera? I'm going to spend after, some time right, on right opera. after that. <laughs> right after that. So, right after that. Yeah, it was short-lived. So, in terms of singing, then you're—are uh, st- you still singing? Do you get up? Do you do karaoke? Like, how, what's singing in your world? <laughs> Oh, the
0: reason I laugh is I attempted (laughs) Gladys Knight's Midnight Train to Georgia at a karaoke bar. This is years ago. And that song is so hard to pull off. I really, I destroyed it. It was really a dumpster on fire going down a polluted river. It was awful.
1: Um, So if I have you think back to your childhood, what would be the earliest musical memory that flashes into your brain?
0: Going to see Annie at a dinner theater in Los Angeles.
1: Huh. Yeah. was a hard knock life. Were you Mike. familiar with Annie, or was that like you were exposed to Annie for the first time? No, I think I was familiar with Annie. I think I had the record. Gotcha. What about music yeah. moving you when you were a kid? You know, emotionally or somehow. I do remember really rocking out to the Pointer Sisters.
0: They sing, I'm so excited, and I just can't hide it. Isn't that them? Hold on, I'm looking this up. And my mom would play that. This is great. Usually Richard
1: does that, but you do it. I love this. I want more guests like this that play music and do their (laughs) own Googling.
0: (laughs) I'm so excited by the Pointer Sisters. Yeah. I'm about to lose control, and I think I like it. My mom would play that in her convertible BMW, in her tape player. A tape player, kids preceded CDs and CDs preceded MP3s, um, and I think that, that that's probably that's probably something I remember. And then, like belting out to Barbara Streisand, it would be no doubt I would be gay
1: when I grew up. <laughs> you know? Uh, do you remember the first music that you owned yourself?
0: Oh, that's a good question. You know, I'm often asked what was the first CD I had. And I, for some reason, that's that's probably the earliest musical memory of well that I owned. I had record players. Yeah, that you
1: owned. That's something yeah. that you felt you had some sort of provenance over. Like this is mine. I'm Ryan Warner. This is my. Music. I guess
0: I felt that way really f- the first time when I got D Light's World Clique.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Which had um, Grooves in the Heart on it,
1: and I could see you dancing to that, like in my head. <laughs> I
0: wanted to be Lady Miss Kier. I thought, do they make? platforms in my size because she, I thought she was so cool.
1: Hmm. Uh, any music being played on instruments by yourself or people around you when you were growing up?
0: Yes, we had a player piano and to operate the roles you pedaled um, kind of back and forth and there were two roles that I was obsessed with. One was "Camptown Town Races, Camp Town Races, sing this song.
1: Do-da. And the other
0: was doo da <laughs> The other was Yes, We Have No Bananas. Do you know that song, Mike? I feel like I do. Yes, we have no bananas. We have no bananas today. And I thought that was just so charming as a kid.
1: Um, Richard, are you going to play that? Richard looks like he's going to play Here's that. Here's
2: a 1923 Billy Jones. 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 <laughs> this makes me sound
0: so much older than I am.
2: On our street, it's run by a Greek. And he keeps good things to eat, but you should hear him speak. Solid rhyme. You and... ask him anything, he never answers no. He just yeses you to death. And as he takes your dough, he tells you yes. yes of
1: course,
2: we have no, no bananas. bananas. We have, we no, have no bananas to today. Today. <laughs> We've green, green beans, beans and onions, cabbages. Cabbages? Wow. Okay.
1: Oh, I wanted to see what he's going to rhyme with scallions. Oh, I missed it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Kabajas. Please, for, from now on, everyone pronounce cabbage as Okay, yeah, I'm down I
1: demand with that. I'm down with that. Okay, um, uh, it's time for your first song. Um, okay. Uh, you, how do you want to handle this? Do you want, you want to tell what the title is? Do you want me to tell what the title is? How are we going to play this out? Oh, I, uh, you you say it. I'd like to be introduced, Mike. Oh, uh, okay. Well, this is... well. I'll, yeah, um, uh, yeah, I'll introduce it better later, too. Going Down Jordan by Harry Belafonte. Is that what you're talking about?
0: That's exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. So, a, a, as I said, Harry Belafonte, the kind of king of Calypso, a, and the civil rights activist, I think maybe even first and foremost, he, he was my first concert. And I... I had loved the movie Beetlejuice, which had Deo and Jump in the Line in it. Mm-hmm. So I think this would have been around 1988. And the, the thing is, like I've been a lifelong Harry Belafonte fan, and I still discover new tracks. Mike, this track was in 30 Rock, when Liz Lemon thinks that she has sat next to Oprah on an airplane, and <laughs> Oprah has revealed to her, before the world, her favorite things. <laughs> and Liz Lemon says, I met Oprah, everyone, and she said her favorite things are saltwater taffy, sweater capes, platform flip flops, paisley, and calypso. And this song plays. And it brought you right back. Well, I'd never heard this song before. That's what I love about Oprah. <gasps> oh,
1: so you knew it was him, but you didn't know the song. I didn't. His. Ah. his Canon is so vast. Well, shall we listen to it? Yes. And imagine being on a plane next to who may or may not be Oprah Winfrey.
2: <laughs>
1: sure. <laughs> this is going down, to, going down Jordan by Harry Belafonte from his 1961 album, Jump Up Calypso. <laughs> and it's one heck of a song. It's a wall of sounds. Yeah. And just you know, My- thematically and everything, you know.
0: My favorite thing about that song is you've got Harry Belafonte and then the background choir is like a, it, it, like a church, a white church choir from Omaha. It's, it, you know, it, it's such a contrast between Harry Belafonte and this vanilla white bread choir behind him.
1: Huh. After you heard it on 30 Rock, did you immediately like, you know, look it up on wherever you could look it up on and try to find out what what the song was? Because you probably only heard Absolutely. some of it, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think I probably shazammed it and then had to, you know, pause the video just just right so that I could play it and then press the Shazam button. I later went as Liz Lemon in that episode for Halloween. So I, I acquired a sweater cape and platform flip-flops and paisley and saltwater taffy. And then I found this bracelet that had a little Bluetooth speaker on it. And I just played the song on loop at every Halloween party I went
2: to. First of all, genius. Second of all, did anybody did anybody get it like without explanation?
0: I think one person went. Wait, are you Liz Lemon from that episode like, <laughs> ten, 10 years ago? And, oh. I, and we and we fell in love. And his name is Jake Gyllenhaal. No, none of that is true. Then not the last part.
1: Um, I don't know if you ever listened to. There's a podcast now, radio show, Bullseye, Jesse Thorne, out of out, out of L.A. Uh, but last night's episode or this week's episode is with um, Tina Fey and her co-creator on Thirty Rock. It was pretty interesting. Hmm. You should check it out if that's a. Oh, I two. will.
0: I've just written it down.
1: Um, did you ever see Heli, Harry Be- Harry Belafonte again?
0: No, no, no. Ever a chance well, to funny, interview I don't, him? Never had a chance to interview him. What, you know, what I loved about that one concert is that he encouraged the audience to sing with him. And I think that he had, you know, Palm Springs has been referred to as God's waiting room. It's, you know, it's an older crowd. And I think he had a lot of timid people in the audience. So he said, you know, sing along to Deo or whatever it was. And no one did because they were all... I don't know they all had inhibitions Uh, and, and then he said you have a chance to sing with Harry Belafonte this is your one moment to sing with a world superstar and you're not doing it and everyone laughed and started singing and so it's enough that I got to sing with Harry Belafonte on a stage I had performed on some years earlier that's like full circle I mean, basically, it makes me Harry Belafonte, right? Basically, basically. Yeah, basically. Do okay.
1: you see much music there in Denver, or did you see much music there in Denver up until a couple months ago?
0: Oh, yes. You know, we have Red Rocks, so it's the best It's the best venue on earth.
1: What was the best show you saw at Red Rocks, and what was the last concert you saw before social distancing guidelines went into effect?
0: The best concert I saw at Red Rocks... Oh, goodness. Well, I'm going to promote a local boy. Gregory Allen Isakoff, the singer-songwriter from Boulder, did a show with the Colorado Symphony, and it was goosebump-inducingly beautiful. But Bjork comes in second, the
1: killer's third. Huh. It must be great having a really you know, world-class venue there that anyone will come to and just having access to it. I'm jealous. It,
0: it's amazing. And you know, when it's not... Uh, in use as a concert, and can I take that over? Wait, do we? Do, is there editing on this podcast? No, there
1: is no editing. Oh, right that no, was it. I was, was do happened a pickup. Is something that yeah. Well, you could do a pickup, and then we can show people how pickup works. But then we'll leave all They're this. They're just going to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Must be great having a really you know world class venue there that anyone will come to, and just having access to it. I'm jealous. It,
0: it's amazing, and you know, when it's not a concert venue, you can just like work out at Red Rocks and hike up this the steps. You know, it was a Works Project Administration um, construction. It brought us out of the Great Depression. Might be and needing, maybe it'll help with this one.
1: Yeah, might be needing some more of those kinds of things. Um, you know, um, when I did my first big cross country and back road trip, I stopped there, parked my, mm. p- parked, my parked my Bronco too. It was a weekday. And just like you just said, I just was able to just walk in and walk up and go stand up on the stage and walk up at the top of the rocks and walk down and drive out. So I've been there not for a show, though. Nice. The, uh, I'm trying to think of the last.
0: I think the last show I saw live before the pandemic was Bleachers with Jack Antonoff.
1: <clears throat> Have you ever traveled a, a fair distance specifically for music?
0: I I've, I've never hopped on a plane for a concert. I, I guess unless you count Broadway. I mean I, I, I flew to New York to see Hedwig with Dookie Hauser. What's his name? Dookie Hauser. Neil Patrick uh, Harris. <laughs> Neil Patrick Harris. Well done. Sir. I would
1: I would fly to New York for that too, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Um, have you have you seen many uh, Broadway shows? Have you been back, you know, more than that time?
0: Yes, I have. Um, and I I got to see Oliver in London's West End. That was really fun. Hmm. I saw Miss Saigon. I'm not a huge fan of that musical. The one my great musical regret is that before her death, uh, B. Arthur did a one-woman show, and she remembered her early years in vaudeville, her, you know, rather record-setting stint on Maude, her Golden Girls. Years And it was just her and a pianist and accompanist. And I, I have the CD and I regret not seeing
1: that Broadway show. Did you have a chance to and just didn't take it or was you, were you going to have to move some things around to make it work?
0: Yeah, I, I thought it was not logistically possible at the time. I think she was on Broadway when I was in college in Missouri and I didn't have big fancy Big Apple money.
1: Did you always know that journalism was where you were heading or how far back does that you know, arc go for you?
0: I think the Challenger disaster, which had been piped into classrooms, was the moment that I knew I wanted to be a journalist. Peter Jennings was anchoring, and I I just admire him so much. I thought he had such uh, such grace, such elegance. And he was live during the Challenger explosion, you know, which kind of traumatized a generation of kids who were watching Christy McAuliffe. Blast into space. And and I so what is that? Eighty six. Mm-hmm. Eighty six, and I was born in seventy eight. Do someone do the math? Yeah, you were eight? <laughs> <Is that> eight? <laughs>
1: no, n- uh, yeah. no, no You were born yeah. Eight.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: We should be able to do radio math better than that, you know? We both do radio. No, we shouldn't. Oh. No, well, live we, math we is we never should. smart. Um, um, <laughs> it isn't. I was in um, eighth grade at Fort Myers High School or Fort Myers Middle School, and when we got the news, we went out onto the field, and we could see the smoke across the state.
0: Oh, Mike.
1: Yeah, like we could see it. It was like you know, it was only a couple inches tall, but you could see it. so that's definitely one of my first memories.
0: Oh my goodness, I can't. I can't imagine. This was in Los Angeles, so it, mm-hmm. it was you know, as the crow flies, quite distant,
1: but. So then did you, you know, do what you had to do in high school to be like on the newspaper club and then go and get a, you know, degree in journalism and just all the things that one would do? I got a gig writing a kids column in a
0: newspaper in middle school and then uh let's see. I got an internship at the local ABC affiliate KESQ. And I was an anchor on Aztec Action News, which was our closed circuit daily news program in high school. Wow. Is there any footage
1: of that in archives? I,
0: I hope not.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, so you went to college in Missouri, or was that your grad school?
0: I went to college in Missouri, and that's a really good journalism school, though it's strange that I didn't wind up doing journalism. I did French and political science, oh. but I had... I had two jobs in radio, and so I didn't feel that I needed the degree because I was getting such a uh, fine professional experience. I started at a public radio station called KOPN, and my job was to do local cut-ins during Fresh Air. So I was on the air maybe a minute 30 throughout the hour, and I would come in just for that and kind of worked my way up there. And you know, they paid me to listen to Fresh
1: Air. It's a good gig, you know? Um, did, here, here, Richard, cue up one of those things. Did you ever say anything like this while you were doing the cut-ins for Fresh Air? Oh, Girl,
0: I am the new drag queen Clotilda Otranto. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, thank you for keeping that. Right, have a, have a, here, let's hear something else. And now, ladies and gentlemen, Ryan Warner.
0: Skylark, oh. have you anything to say to me? Won't you tell me where my love can be? Is there a meadow in the mist Where someone's waiting to be kissed? Skylark, have you seen a valley green with spring Where my heart can go a-journeying Over the shadows and the rain To a blossom-covered lane? And in listen. your lonely Oh, flight. I should have chosen that song, but now I don't need to because you mm, chose
1: it for me. Oh, that's like time I, travel right there, Ryan Ward. Oh,
0: I'm all welling up. You know, I got to go to Bonaventure Cemetery, which is where that rather famous statue is from Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. That's where I first heard that song by Johnny Mercer.
1: Hmm. Um, do you remember your first proper interview when you were the one that was in charge of talking to somebody for, you know, a radio show or a spot for the newscast or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. It was,
0: this is going to sound um, uh, remarkable. It is remarkable. It was Tom Wolfe. The author? Yeah, he came to town and I covered it for the local paper in that kids column. Well, at that point I'd sort of graduated to being a, like a stringer. And he came to a synagogue in Palm Springs in his like, gorgeous white or off-white linen suit. And I think I got a few words with him after his speech to add quotes
1: to the piece. Hmm. Um, how did the whole monthly interview with governors thing come about? And are you still doing it now that you have a new governor?
0: Yeah, we've done it three administrations now. It started under Bill Ritter, who was a Democratic governor of Colorado, continued through the two terms of John Hickenlooper, a name that you may know because he ran for president, now he's running for Senate, and it continues under Governor Jared Polis. Uh, It's not quite monthly anymore, it's just sort of semi-regular. Um, he just has a. I think he has a different relationship with the press than his predecessors. Um, and okay. how did it, how did it come about? We asked. <laughs> we just said, "Can we do this?" And no one was really doing it. And it, you know, it's quite a forum for the governor. They they get to say more than sound bites, and it's become something of a tradition. In fact, uh, Hickenlooper recommended to Polis that he continue the tradition.
1: Is your show broadcast on other stations around Colorado? So it's just farther than just Denver is that is that how i understand it, it, it is
0: well colorado public radio uh if this is at all interesting um is an is a network uh around the state so we have translators in high mountain passes and in valleys and things so we are statewide and then we um operate a station called krcc in colorado springs which reaches um, the Pikes Peak region and southern Colorado and Colorado Matters airs on KRCC, so we're here, heard by most
1: of the state. So you've been there for fifteen or so years. You're heard all across the state. So people who listen to public radio in Colorado know Ryan freaking Warner. They know who he is. They, you know, you're you're an entity <laughs> in the community, statewide. What is that like?
0: Um, what is that like? I mean, it's always an honor when someone recognizes your voice. The the stranger experience is when you present your credit card to a cashier and they look at the name and they go, is that Ryan Warner? And you, <laughs> you think, wow, you... You're a real nerd. Yeah. If you know that,
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. That's what I love about it, though. It's like you know, I'm I'm a public radio person, so I think public radio people are cool and, and in a good nerdy way that I like. So it's nice to mm-hmm. be known by those people. You know,
0: it's a, it is an honor, and um, the 14 years have flown by, and they're still ton to learn about this state
1: um but real quick before we get to your third or your second song now um uh did, had you spent much time in florida before coming here in 2004 for the gulf coast live job
0: i had never had ice i'd set my foot in the state once before i got the job at wgcu i'd been on a cruise that left from fort lauderdale and that was my only exposure to florida to that point
1: do you remember what your first impressions were of Fort Myers and Southwest Florida in general when you got here, which would have been in like er, you know early spring if I remember correctly? The first thing that comes
0: to mind, though I imagine it was not chronologically first, was Sanibel. I was so I was captivated by Sanibel Captiva and for some reason that's what sticks out when you ask that question. And I I would go to Ding Darling with some with some frequency because I just adored those islands those barrier islands and the bu- is the bubble room still there Mike Canary? You know, yes.
1: I think it is. It's oh, it's yeah. still there. Okay, uh, it's You know, hopefully it's still there six months from now, because, you know, yeah. we're having a hard time with tourism and whatnot down here. Um, I can imagine. Yeah, definitely. Uh, okay, time for song number two, which, by the way, A, I just want to say real quickly, I have the uh, original ad that we ran for in the news press for, you, I'm looking at your face here, we'll put this in as, well, maybe we'll use this <laughs> for the selfie. We can use this as the selfie, Ryan. You don't have to, oh, send, good, me. Good. You don't have to send me yeah. Selfie. Okay. We'll take a selfie with this. This is. I was gonna say we'll just print out a terrible. I was gonna say we'll print out a terrible like black and white printed photo. No, him, I've got this right here, so here. Yeah, and <laughs> so just just you know for historical accuracy, it, it launched on May third of two thousand four, and the script that we use today is still based on the template you created. Wow. <laughs> just you know structurally, you know. Hey,
2: before before we do the second song, then yeah. because you brought that up. Uh, I, it must have been pretty early in the show when I met Ryan Warner because I never worked on Gulf Coast Live with you. Yeah, you but, came along after he left. I'm right, pretty sure, but but I did meet you because I came over here to WGCU when I was a student at the university. Oh, right, right. You oh. you did, a, did an episode about bloggers, and uh, Hap was here and Mike was here in the booth, and you were over there, and you interviewed me and one of the other students on campus. And oh. I had no i mean i I came over, I did it, I forgot about it, and then, like a year and a half, two years later, I was working in in this room, so it was it was this trippy like wait isn't this where I was on a show? yeah, and, you were and, and on the yeah. show about blogs. how back nice did it?
0: People didn't know it what came blogs full were. Circle, yeah. yeah
2: I, I, I like.
0: I, I imagine if we listened to that, we'd be mortified.
1: It's you know, terrible. Me, you know what? We tell have an Tell me what archive. a blog is. You find that, Richard? We'll, 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 make, a he- we'll, we'll make a headliner out of part of that for promotional reasons.
0: I'm interested in having each of you take a crack at the definition of a, of a blog. I get the sense that it's in, in, in flux in some ways. Uh, Richard Chinqui, uh, you want to take a, 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 a crack at the definition?
2: Oh wow. Um, well, it's. Uh, I think it. It's a very rounded uh, topic because you can use it for all sorts of different things. Some people use them just for personal journals, while uh, we've seen a lot of business industries use them to update uh, their customers. You know, you can pop in and out, see what's going on. Really, they've been around a long time. It's just they weren't called blogs before. A lot of people who do uh, online comics and have websites with, like, a news section on the homepage will put their own personal rants uh, on the homepage, and they'll update it, you know, every day, every other day it's just they didn't have sites dedicated to it now they have people you know linking that to their if they draw if they uh if they have friends
0: uh, you use the word rant i thought that was quite appropriate because often if you read a weblog it really does seem like a sort of stream of consciousness rant
2: oh that's very true a lot of times people it, it's it's a nice place for you to vent or just talk about your day without sometimes you know if you don't tell somebody about it and it's on the internet no one's going to see it and so it's a place where you can feel like you're doing something in a public forum when in actuality it's just for your own private use.
0: Unless someone does see it. And unless someone does see yeah, it. Yeah, right, which is the risk, I guess.
1: Okay, time for song number two. Um, yes. What do you got right. and how, uh, what story goes along with it? Proceed. You're in charge. Go. All right well, let's get to
0: music sooner than later, and then we can have more stories so this is by an artist, a French artist named Barbara you know she she was like Cher. she only used one name. her real name was Monique Serf. she was a French Jew and very beautiful, a very very gaunt, very slight, gorgeous eye makeup, very nineteen sixties and this is. A song called ma plus belle histoire d'amour which is my most beautiful love story and it is a song about a childhood love that she has and
1: that she circles back to much later in life all right uh, this is uh, the i have the original version off the album or i have a live version from a tv show you, which you have know, preference oh let's hear the live one okay take it away I'm kind of blissed out now. Yeah, me too. And I don't know what she's saying. So what's what's going on there, and what's the story?
0: Well, yeah, it starts out. She talks about uh, uh, that she was an enfant griffes aux genoux. She was just a kid with like scratches on her knees, you know, from crawling around in the dirt. And she meets this boy, and their baths. Wind towards and away from each other throughout their lives, and at the end she says, "C'était un soir en septembre quand vous êtes venu m'attendre." It was a night in September when you came waiting for me, and and finally she realizes que sa plus belle histoire d'amour c'est vous. That her biggest history, her her, her biggest love story is is him is you. And I think I I just I was a an exchange student in France, and I think that if you ask people the name of French singer, they'd probably come up with Edith Piaf. But I just think that Barbara is is really under 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 known. Um, I I think that I identified with her because she's like a bony Jewish kid, just like me, and um, <laughs> and I you know I suppose there's part of me that wanted her eye makeup too.
1: You know, in watching in the videos that I pulled up to find versions of this on YouTube, she's she's pretty hypn- hypnotizing with the eyes yeah. and the everything. Yeah. Do, do you remember, like, be- being exposed to that song for the first time? Does that did it bring you back to any particular mem- particular memories, like when you were in France or anything like that?
0: Yeah, I went to France in high school. It was my senior year in high school, and it was through Rotary, which has you stay with three families over the course of the year. And my first family, and my favorite family, the Coates, who lived in a town called Chambéry in the Alps. They were uh, they were just incredibly festive. Their home was always open for friends and meals, and there was always music. They turned me on to Nina Simone, and they turned me on to Barbara. And I just remember listening to Barbara on their CD player with all of the casement. I guess they were like casement windows or or. Um, those very French sort of shutters—they were all open, and the breeze was coming through
1: in their their hilly home. And yeah,
0: it's it's a great association.
1: You know, I am just glad I've made it through this entire arc without having to say any of the French words myself. I've, see how I <laughs> see how I did that. I, I got you to do all that for me.
0: <laughs> you are welcome.
1: Do you uh, do you like me? Mean, is is would her music be on your your Spotify or whatever it is you use to consume music? Oh yes,
0: absolutely. Yeah, and this and many more tracks, yeah.
1: How do you consume music?
0: Uh, the two most popular platforms for me are on my Alexa in my bedroom through Amazon. I'm sure there are people who are just, like, mortified that I have an Alexa in my bedroom uh, because of the spying. And, I, you know, I, I consume a ton of music on YouTube. I s- subscribe to YouTube Premium, uh-huh. and I mostly just get exposed to music through the videos, and I create my own playlists.
1: If you're in a car, how's the music coming in, or are you listening to music in the car? Always.
0: I, I'm not driving a lot these days. I'm just riding my bike to work. But when I'm in the car, it's Because you live YouTube. in Colorado? <laughs> because <laughs> I live in Colorado. <laughs> we believe in bikes. Um... <laughs> I listen to... Yeah, I listen to YouTube over Bluetooth. Oh. YouTube over Bluetooth. <clears throat>
1: So you like have, it comes up on a screen. See, I still, I don't, my car didn't even have Bluetooth, so I still don't really know what, what that means. <laughs> it's magic. It's these little these I know little what Bluetooth smurfs. is. <laughs> I just don't know if like listening to YouTube in the car means there's a video that you're trying not to pay attention to. Or... Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's, I, I'm not watching the screen. It's just, it just is the
0: the method of delivering the the audio.
1: Gotcha. Okay. Um, do you guys do music on Colorado Matters? Like live music sometimes? Oh,
0: sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Lo- the, the Colorado music scene is, is a, a huge focus for us, and we have a lot of really talented people here, some of whom have made it big, you know, Dvochka and and Nathaniel Rateliff and the Night Sweats and Gregory Allen Isakov, and of course, we have s- some of the, the treasurers like Judy Collins, who's from Colorado. And she's been on the show a few times. So absolutely, music's a part of it. I, I would die otherwise. I
1: would die, Mike. If you, um, uh, I know you guys do like take the show on the road kind of thing. I've seen that. But do you ever do it specifically for music where you kind of weave in, you know, sort of semi um, Prairie Home Companion style or something like that where you've woven music into the production?
0: Yes. We do a big show called The Colorado Matters Holiday Extravaganza. every Really? Year, That's no, so cool. Yeah. Um and it's like an old-fashioned radio show on a stage in front of a thousand people. I don't know that it'll happen this year just because of COVID. But uh, that is a mix of music, live music on stage and conversation. And that is one of my great joys. It is it is a throwback to the days of when my great uncle was in radio, um, a man named... Eddie Ballantyne, he was the band leader of a show called The Breakfast Club with Don McNeil out of ABC in Chicago, and that was a morning program that had a band, and so I have to think that some of this stuff is in the blood.
1: Oh, that sounds so cool. I would love to be able to do that here. Richard, we need to sort out a way to do that. We have very small team though it makes it hard um you we know do too, we do
0: too you you'd be surprised what you can pull off
1: oh yeah well no i don't doubt it uh, i do aspire to make a radio drama if nothing else i think that would be a lot of fun just to get a bunch of actors i was thinking that was one of the things people could do in these times without yes. without inventing a new medium or a new use for mediums because you can stand 10 feet apart everybody can be in a big room everybody can be doing the radio or you can obviously do it remotely but you know a radio drama right now i think would be great
0: yeah, and think of everything you've got around be, you that could be the foley art. To know? be fair,
2: there are there are like fiction podcasts. That's that true. Are that's very true. popular, yep. And that's basically yep. what that is.
1: Uh, do you listen to that's podcasts, pretty... Ryan? I do. Yes. What are what are like your go tos right now?
0: <sighs> I right now am not listening to a ton of them because I'm not driving. Driving was the reason I had podcasts uh-huh. on, and I had a fairly long commute. And so that has been a change in my life. But when I uh, am regularly listening to podcasts, um, oh, I'm going to pimp our own. There's we we launched a podcast called "Back from Broken," which is a really beautiful podcast about recovery, and and twelve step. And I am a huge fan of that. Uh, and then you know, I love I love the moth. Mm-hmm. I just adore the moth. I think probably. I just had that planted in my mind because Richard was talking about storytelling podcasts.
1: We, we air that on um, Saturdays at 6, so I get to listen to it over the air. It's pretty cool. Yeah, so many of these like hybrid. I mean, The Daily is amazing, so I, I, I should throw The
0: Daily in. But, you know, so many of these are now podcasts and terrestrial radio.
1: Yeah. Um, one of my new podcasts that I listen to, they put out two, one or two episodes a week. It's called This Week in Virology. Uh, they've been making a radio <laughs> oh. show called that or a podcast called that since 2006. And so they're all heavy hitters, super oh. interested and super smart and super connected to the actual world of virology that's happening. And so, yeah. like, listening to it... It's like seeing the future in terms of like what's going to be burbling up through the news sources and what things like NPR are going to be covering. You know, I knew about Rem Desir three weeks before everybody else. And
0: oh my goodness, I've got to check it out.
1: Yeah, this and it's fun because they're 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 clever, fun people. They have good repartee because they've been doing it for so long. But yeah, that's my thing.
2: Yeah, I'm going to throw in one too. Um, I've been listening to uh, the Darkest Timeline, which is hosted by Joel McHale and Ken Jeong from uh, yeah from community and other projects but the the title comes from community and when they got kind of stuck at it in their in their respective homes they were talking and laughing so much on the phone that they were like why don't why don't we tape this and it's this Mm. great little like it's part retrospective about community but it's also you know ken is a doctor and so they talk sometimes about health stuff the second episode they have um andrew yang on um like through zoom or you know something like that so like it's It's kind of this weird mishmash podcast with two really funny guys who clearly love each other um, and are still really, really good friends after all these years.
1: Mm -hmm. I love it. I love the resurgence in radio that people call podcasts, but it's just the resurgence of radio, you know? I love it.
0: It is. Uh, We have a line here, which is radio isn't going anywhere. It's going everywhere.
1: Exactly. Well put. Um, When was the last time you bought music that had a physical form that you could hold in your hands?
0: Oh, quite recently. There's a great vinyl store here called Wax Tracks. How large is your vinyl collection? Oh, not large. I'm very picky, and I only ever buy obscure female singers from like the 19, maybe 40s through the 70s. And the last great find was an album by kitty oh my goodness like uh ketty pardon me ketty um oh my goodness i'm just gonna have to ketty lester uh just a very fine african-american singer from you know around the 1950s and she does a haunting version of gloomy sunday Hmm. should we just make that my third song uh, that's not what i n- no 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 okay. um
1: if you were a championship wrestler, Ryan, what would your song be that you came out to you know
0: that that's such an stretch for me imagination wise yeah, like my walk up song um okay, uh roar by Katy Perry.
1: I think that's a pretty solid answer. Um do you have any TV theme songs that are so emblazoned into your brain that you could just sing them on demand, you know, for and or with us right now? Yes, absolutely.
0: Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. That's one that I think of. You take the good, you take the bad, you take them both and there you have the facts of life. The facts of life. And then the most classic one of them all, How will you make it on your own? This world is awfully big, and girl, this time you're all alone. Well, it's time you started learning. I don't think that's right. I think I got that right. I butchered that lyric of the Mary Tyler Moore show. Oh, I didn't even... I, and I, Char. I,
1: I, I wanted you to go further so I would finally know what you were singing, because I recognized it. <laughs> You're gonna, the
0: gonna make you it go. after
1: all. <laughs> I just threw up my hat. I just threw it up. I see it going up there. Yeah. Uh, that,
2: did it hang in midair? Is yeah, still up it there? froze as, it if did. It,
1: as if by magic. Yeah. Um, do, do you do karaoke these days? You mentioned when I said karaoke, you laughed and pointed to the past, but is karaoke, you know... It, In in non-pandemic times, was karaoke something that was part of your routine?
0: Yeah, I would say like a few times a year. And what I've learned to do, there's actually a, a gay bar that's like a couple of blocks from the station. They do a karaoke with a live piano player. So what you do is you choose sheet music that you want and the piano player plays it and then you sing. And what I've learned about my voice is that I should choose talk-sing. I call them talk-sing songs. Like uh, like a lot of Sinatra was talk-sing. Uh-huh. It's you know, like, fly me to the moon and let me swing among the stars. And I can pull that off because it requires almost no range. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you do it pretty good. It reminds me of the whole, like, Bill Murray, Star Wars <laughs> Oh yeah, well, and Bill Murray's a very Murray Christmas is like. Terrific. Oh, I know yeah. that was so good. It was so like not ironic in the most beautiful way. Yeah, yeah that was I agree. that was great. I can't wait to have Christmas to watch it again. I guess I could watch it when it's not Christmas, but that might seem weird. Um, okay, <laughs> dancing in public, yes, seems like you probably dance in public, you know, whenever you feel like it.
0: Yeah, that song we played earlier from the Colorado DJ Carl Carroll. I was walking to a friend's house for a socially distanced lawn sangria party. And it came on as I was crossing a fairly busy street in Denver. And I did not hesitate to dance for the people whizzing by.
1: So not only will you feel free to dance when there's other people dancing, but when you're just walking around. Okay, that's a good answer. You're putting the stake way out there in terms of dancing. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) I have no shame. Uh, Okay, Ryan, it is time for your last song. Um, Yes. What would you like to do about this one?
0: Well, I will set it up a little bit and then say a few more words about it afterwards. This is If Love Were All which was written by Noel Coward in 1929. And this is a version by Judy Garland, who I, in a very cliche, gay way,
1: uh, adore. Um, the version I have is the 1961 at Carnegie Hall. Is that cool? That's the only version I'll accept. Okay, it was about the only version I could find, so I'm glad okay. to hear that. <laughs> uh, if Love Were All, Judy Garland, 1961, Carnegie Hall.
2: Hall!
0: You know, Judy Garland could torture a vowel. It's just amazing to hear her sing and she says, Hi, her. I can't even quite get there. Hi, her. It, I'm like doing way too much share there. But she, <laughs> she just had such articulation and interesting articulation. And that 1961 Carnegie Hall performance, boy, that's a concert I wish I could have been a part of.
1: Why did this song make it to your list of three?
0: I think it's just the right amount of forlorn. My favorite kind of music is the kind that makes me feel a bit hangdog. And, um, yeah, I think she's sort, of, she's sort of mourning the idea that love isn't quite enough. You need something more.
1: Did you ever see Julie Garland anywhere?
0: Judy Garland, no. But my father used to go into a bar. I think it was called the... No, it was called Jay's. Or the lemon tree, anyway, in L.A. And she uh, was often at the bar there, and self medicating, most likely. And my father would see her there, and I. So doesn't that basically makes me Judy Garland, right, Mike? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Judy Garland by association, Association, sort of. (laughs) Um, What 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 age would you have been when you were in L.A. And what was the you know what was it like being in L.A. at that age? I was there from birth until third grade. Okay, so that was first, and then Palm Springs. And then Palm Springs. Gotcha. Yeah. So you What don't,
0: was L.A. like then? Yeah, I, don't, you, I yeah, don't know. When you're a
1: second grader, you don't really know what L.A. was like.
0: <laughs> Yeah, the LA to me was the airport. It was LAX because I, I'm such a plane freak. We would always go to a restaurant called the Proud Bird that was at the end of one of the runways and every table had headphones and you could listen to the air traffic control. That was, the, that was peak LA to me
1: when I was a kid. That's p- pretty good, for peak L.A. as a kid. Jeez. It is good. It is <laughs> awfully good. Um, uh, the air- airplane stuff, did you like want to be a pilot, or did you just dig the world of airlines, airplanes?
0: I did want to be a pilot for a while. I took flying lessons. They get awfully expensive, awfully fast. And then I realized that it was possible to love airplanes and not fly them, and... and um, That's where I've been, you know, most of my life. My grandfather helped design the DC-10 and so aviation was kind of in the blood as well. And if you wander around my home, you'll see a coffee table made out of an airplane wing and a propeller in the the corner of my bedroom and lots of DC-10 memorabilia from my
1: grandfather. It's, It's
0: kind of a comforting symbol for me.
1: I grew up with a kid. Uh, one of my best friends, a guy named Alan Dozer. His nickname was Beef, and he wanted to be an airline pilot. He studied airplanes. He could always tell us what planes were as they flew over. And over the years, he had taught us enough that he would challenge us. He'd be like, "What's that?" And then we'd say, he'd "Be like, you're wrong or you're right." So were you that kid? <laughs> t- were you that kid too? Could you look up and be like, "That's a DC-10. That's a DC-10 Max or whatever." Could you do that?
0: Yes. I, I absolutely am that person. I'm also the person who recognizes the liveries. And so I can tell by the paint job what airline that is. And um, yeah, ab- yeah, I'm a pl- uh, an av geek, a plane spotter, all of those things.
1: Uh, you know, it's going to be a while before. I mean, uh, airplane, the industry has yeah. really been, been hammered. That must be an interesting, as a journalist... And as an aviation freak, it must be kind of weird to kind of think about that whole way things are being changed because of the pandemic.
0: Yeah, I built a vacation in April around flying on the A380, which is the double-decker Airbus, and I opened a credit card and got bonus miles and put, you know, every stick of gum I could on that credit card so that I could cash in the points for a first-class flight on the A380 from Abu Dhabi to Heathrow. And uh, this, this you know, just had almost a year of anticipation and it got canceled because of covid-19 and it's very likely that the economics post pandemic will mean that the a380 does not fly again it was already on its way out and this might have been the death knell so it is there's a there's a real loss there for me
1: wow um do you play any instruments these days
0: i do not if no. you
1: could play one instantly without having to try and be good at it which would it be the Alp Horn,
0: because I think it's so silly and wonderful. The what? The Alp horn is that giant horn that has something like a 12 foot. Alp, Alp know,
2: Like the mountains? Alp, Alp, horn. Horn. Alp, Alp horn. I yeah. thought it was an Alp
0: Porn. <laughs> <laughs> well, definitely not, Mike. I don't want to play that.
1: <laughs> so I alp, would play the alp horn. An alp horn. Wow! Yeah, like, and then like, like demand, the Ricola, like the Ricola commercial.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and then just like demand to bring it to
1: parties, make room for the alp horn. Show up at open mics with it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Richard's got a little something here. Oh, a lot of build up to the alp horn. There's like there's like nine long of them. There's like
2: nine of them here. So oh, they got nine of them, them lined up. Like a group up. of guys in a circle. I'm so are excited. Are they going to do this
1: like like bells with different notes or is no it going to be a cacophony of alp horn? It is quite
0: beautiful. These are your people, Ryan. These are my people. Well, you know, it was a way to call to the next valley. I think that's how they began.
1: that is beautiful. And it's yeah. funny the next valley thing. Um, you know, I saw I went to a medieval fair with Gwen and they had this guy playing the bagpipes. He was like this 6 foot 8 Viking playing the bagpipes very very aggressively. And I was thinking, you know, you could hear that for like probably 3 quarters of a mile. And mm. and, and I looked up on my phone when it was invented and the and the the bagpipes were invented in like 1100 or something. And I remember thinking that would be like like you would believe in magic if you were walking through the woods and had never heard that sound. And suddenly you heard it and mm. kept following it for half a day and then show up where it was. You know what I mean? It was kind of like magical.
2: Or if you had never encountered that entire culture and they played it into battle. Yeah. If they played yeah. hundreds of them, you would be terrified. Yeah.
0: Horn <laughs> like, Battle Cry is the name of my new band so i be, hope you guys be,
1: be, it would be quite a gentle battle cry they can open for you, me, Bird. <laughs> you you could come out that could be your uh uh championship wrestler you know you could have somebody playing the alphorn for you <laughs> it's so, so
0: convenient to bring to the venue yeah
1: <laughs> oh goodness gracious um we haven't really talked about that much about the music that you've liked most in your, your life like what would be the bands that are the go-tos from your most listening over the years Hmm.
0: The Cranberries, no doubt. Radiohead. And then Nina Simone. And let's see, let me name one more. Chicane. I love the the electronic dance band Chicane. Those would be my choices.
1: If you had to pick an album that you've probably spent the most time listening to, what would it be? It's probably
0: that Carnegie Hall album from Judy Garland. Or, gosh, you know, there was a period of my life when all all I listened to was Tapestry by Carol King. And I probably played that so many times over and over again in that period of, of life that it is the most listened to album of my life.
1: Wouldn't it be cool if you could have all that data somehow? I guess the future, maybe they'll be able to have it because everybody's has been tracking data. they've been <laughs> tracking you, Mike. yeah, uh-huh. um uh album that you would keep if you could only like listen to one, like if you had to like, something that would would stick around the longest and not become annoying to you,
0: oh my gosh, that's so difficult, um. I think I don't want to live in that world. I, I I don't want to live in that world. So you'd say no music, no music at all. I'll just listen to nature. I would say no life, no life. That's not a life worth living.
1: Okay. What would your 14-year-old self think of who you are today?
0: Uh, wow, I didn't know this turned into a therapy session. That's how we, um, we put a little
1: cherry of therapy right on the end.
0: Okay. I guess the 14-year-old would be like, well, you didn't become Peter Jennings. That's clear. <laughs>
1: Well, you're a lot. Closer. I mean, sorry, you're a lot closer to Peter Jennings than most people in terms of what it is you do. Uh,
2: okay, you could sure. you could
1: have missed the mark from Peter Jennings a lot worse than hosting a statewide show on public radio in Colorado.
0: Well, I appreciate that.
1: <laughs> okay, can you recommend three people who you think would make good guests on this podcast, particularly up there in your neck of the woods, because we have access to a studio that we could try to get on?
0: Yeah. Um I think the music director at our new music station, Indie102 point three, uh Willoughby Carlin would be a great guest. He um was a real trendsetter on the New York music scene at about the time like that U2 was coming of age. And he gallivanted with the likes of Bono and um he, he had like connections to CBGB and Club Studio 54, like he's a really cool cat. Mm. And wait, I have to name three? If you can. Yeah. Um, I guess I would name, if you want to get some star power, I, I adore Gregory Allen Isaacoff. I don't know if he'd be a guest, but he is one of the most beautiful songwriters I've, I've ever encountered. And Julie Davis, who is a singer-songwriter in Denver and who used to be in a band called Bella Caroli, and then she was in a band called Blue Book, and she's been on the Colorado Matters holiday extravaganza, and she has a whole lot of heart and
1: soul. Those are my three. Okay, share this with them and help connect us to them if you can, and we will pursue them as guests. That's how we deal. We've used this to. We've gotten quite a few guests that way, actually. Now, um, okay. Our our official last question is: Is there a song that you will always uh, turn off if it comes up on the radio for some reason, whether you just have a memory association with it or it's just a song that you can't stand?
0: Yeah, that song uh, "Bye Bye Miss American Pie" is too long. I get every time I listen to that song; it seems to grow by thirty seconds. It's like new verses
1: and appear magically.
0: Honestly, yeah, like "Good King Lost, You know that that song has something like thirty,
1: <laughs> thirty refrains.
0: Yeah, I, I would, um, I, that, I just, I'm so not a fan of that song. I know that it's, it's, it's a watershed and it's important, and it's just not, it's not mine.
1: I know from things that get shared on Facebook that that was the song that was the number one song in the nation when I was born. So you just, well, buy, I, you must hate me then by association. I can't get
0: enough of you, Mike, but I can't stand that song.
1: <laughs> That's fine. Um, okay, I'm going to ask you if you have any final thoughts, but I just want to add my final thoughts. I said in the intro that I was happy that I got to work with you, and I just wanted to reiterate that, that, that even though we only worked together for about a year, it seemed like a really long time, and I felt like I learned a lot. <laughs> and, and I mean, it seems like a really long time in a good way. But, but you yes. know what I mean? Like, like, I'm still doing this in a lot of ways. The, the sort of the example that you set is sort of what got me started is what to do. So I want to say thank you. And now you can have your final thoughts.
0: Well, I am grateful for that. I think that they were really, they were important times. And we were contending with Hurricane Charlie at that point. I remember those being some intense days. And that entire hurricane season was really intense. I remember we did a story about what happens when you run out of letters in the alphabet to name storms. And the answer was, you go to the Greek alphabet. And there was a real possibility that that would happen. There had been so many storms that summer. I only want to say that I, I adore Southwest Florida. I miss, I miss Captiva and Upper Captiva and Sanibel and Pine Island and Marco and, and all of those places. And I miss you.
1: Oh, I miss you too. But I'm so glad you're one of the reasons I'm glad Facebook exists.
2: Oh good. I mean? I'm glad I you know what I mean. Bored like, you know what I mean. Like, like there's tears. certain
1: people who, you know, I kind of feel like I know what's going on in your life and everybody's lives because of it. And if that didn't exist, then you'd just be somebody I worked with 15 years ago. You know. So, cheers to that.
2: Cheers. All right, that was the end. Except not really the end. Why? Because we have two clips that i need to
1: oh i forgot to weave in the last clip well then we're just leaving all this in oh we're still in the show oh well good richard play those i have to say if
0: anyone is still listening besides my mother may may you have oh ryan we have
2: listeners that like whatever this thing is that we're doing (laughs) good all right ryan i have two clips i'd like you to comment on here's the first one Okay,
0: dead puppies, dead puppies dead puppies, <laughs> dead puppies, dead puppies, dead puppies, dead puppies, dead. Horrible dead puppies scattered all over the road. Oh, so it's <laughs> that.
1: Yeah, still? That's a technique. Still, I was just going to say, is that still a technique you use? Because you were trying to get serious talk. I think you were talking to a nun, if memory serves, about something very serious.
0: Yeah. When I was a television anchor in Sioux City, Iowa, the anchor at the competing CBS affiliate taught me that trick that if you needed to stop laughing ahead of a broadcast you just imagine dead puppies. I I have used that before. Yeah. I mean since. Yeah, I've used that.
2: Okay, and uh, turn about being fair play. Jan Rich, a cat superhero.
1: A cat superhero. <laughs> no. Oh, God. Okay, VO8. Jan Rich, a... <laughs> I, I can't do it. Okay, I can do this. I can do this. No, I'm going to have to come back. I'm sorry. It's just, I let my eyes go to it. And it just, that was the one time that I had to go force somebody to rewrite copy because I just wasn't going to say cat superhero into a microphone. <laughs> thank you for bringing that up, Richard.
2: Yeah. Uh, I,
1: but you didn't say dead puppies. I didn't. Dead you know kitties. what? That's true. I should have. Oh, that's the lesson here. I should have, I should have dead puppied myself into cat kitties. superhero. Oh. Okay, Ryan. Well, thank you so much for doing this and uh, playing along with our silly game. I've been
0: really uh, charmed by it thanks You're my little potato You're my little potato You're my little potato the dog you
1: up we make three-song stories in the studios of WGCU Public Radio on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. Richard Chinqui is co-creator and producer. Tarek Callaghan is online content producer and hosts Sometimes. Chris Duffis is executive producer. Our theme song was made by Dave 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 Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. For this week's parting tune, we're going back to 2.55 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Tuesday, March 15th of 2005, the end of That Day's Gulf Coast Live. I wasn't at work that day because of something that had happened the night before, but I was listening to the show, and the way it ended was just magical.
0: We want to say that it's a very proud day for all of us at Gulf Coast Live. Our producer, Mike Canary, is now a father. Guinevere was born last night at 8 o'clock. She weighed almost 10 pounds. And so to end today's show, perhaps the best children's song of all time, it's called My Little Potato. You're my little potato, you're my potato You're my potato They dug you up You come from under Welcome to the World Guinevere. I'm Ryan Warner. Good afternoon.
1: And I was struck. Man, I produce a public radio talk show. It's like on the radio. And now I really do have a daughter named Guinevere. Just, Wow. Keep listening.
2: Next time on Three Song Stories. I've dressed up as Batman a couple of times, but, like, it's always super hot, and I was like, how can I dress up and um, wear a pair of shorts? And so the last couple of summers I've gone as pool party Batman.